Okay, not to be ungrateful, but if you had just waited like one more second, do, we do, wouldn't be stuck do here. Do you know how worried I was? You disappeared in a vortex while I was in charge. For all I knew, you were dead or stuck in a dystopian San Francisco in the middle of a riot. Have you noticed that the references are weirdly specific? Indeed. I'm sorry, I was... hold up. Look, I'm gonna keep this like 100% profesh, but I was thoroughly unprepared for how hot young Spock was going to be. Yeah. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me, crossing over from another podcast, are Adam Bowen and Emily Bowen Marler. Hey, welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we will be sharing a recap of the sixth and seventh episodes of the second season of Strange New Worlds, Lost in Translation, and Those Old Scientists. Follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I don't think we're on uh, on threads, but I guess because we're on Instagram, maybe we're also on threads. I have no idea how that works. We're on threads, but we don't post anything there because our buffer tool doesn't let me automatically post stuff. Sad. Mm. Sad times. So if you design but, me an API, Adam, I might be able to be on threads. I will do no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> I might. Maybe I'll ask ChatGPT to design a thread, uh, design an app for you. <laughs> uh cool cool uh yeah so tell your friends about the podcast uh have them and yourself uh and your family members give us a five-star rating on apple podcasts helps people find us and this is your warning that we're gonna spoil a bunch of stuff this time i'll just tell you if you haven't watched these two episodes stop what you're doing right now and just go watch them not just because of the spoiler thing because they're that good so just yeah, but but know that we are going to spoil them. We'll spoil a bunch of other Star Trek, like Lower Decks, for example, this week. Uh, maybe we'll spoil other random stuff, too, like the name of your impending baby. I don't know. We, we know a lot of things here. <laughs> All right. Well, as, as Emily mentioned earlier, we're talking about two episodes today, Lost in Translation and Those Old Scientists, the sixth and seventh episodes of Strange New Worlds. They were released on the 20th and 22nd of July, 2023. We were extremely lucky, but now I warn you all, we have to go nearly two weeks without a new episode of Strange New Worlds. Take that on for torture. Lost in Translation was directed by Dan Liu. Those old scientists were directed by Jonathan Frakes. Uh, These two episodes were written by Onitra Johnson and David Reed for Lost in Translation and Catherine Lin and Bill Walkoff for Those Old Scientists. The in-universe dates... Let's just say they both occur mostly in 2259. There are star dates there. And hey, guess what? Five digits. How quaint. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we always start with our strange new takes. Let's start with strange new takes. I'll give you the episode summary after we're done. Um, And this year, this week, we haven't shuffled up the order. So I'll just go first as I did last week as well. Um, You know, it really sucks being tall for air travel. And not just, okay, so the legroom thing, obvious, right? Like, obvious problem. Big neck, or long neck, I should say. Big neck, less of a problem. Long neck, more of a problem. Because your head flops to one side or the other if you're going to fall asleep, and then you wake up with a big crick. So you almost Uh, necessarily need one of those travel pillows uh, to to survive that. So uh, I hate hate being tall for air travel. I love being tall tall for everything else. I am six feet tall. 
You I have seen remember. me in person. I, and what? still you doubt. Well, no, no. I've seen you in person, but I didn't like see you and think, gosh, Notch is really tall. Wow. This is great for my ego right now. <laughs> no, no. It's just I, I'm I know on the lot, dating market right now, Emily. I'm judging know, myself No, no. It's because I know day. a lot of people who are six feet tall. <laughs> so like I, it was more like the, you know, because well, I, I have my know, friends uh, who are six, seven, and that's what I think is getting yeah, the, like the, seriously the, uh, Weirdly, uh, yeah, where, where Emily lives right now uh, and where I spent like the second half of growing up everybody's real tall over yes, there like that's I, what it is it's I, not <laughs> i would uh like i am i am one inch above average uh in the united states i'm i'm 510 but i was very short <laughs> in high school <laughs> all of my friends were like six one to six four and it was very bizarre <laughs> well most of the time honestly that i've seen you notch we've not been like standing next to each other so true and we were also be. when we met we were in that house where the deck was going to collapse any minute and, and, and <laughs> yeah. so there were four pressing things on our mind well I'm and just at kidding. the wedding i you know i would have met you at the at adam's wedding yeah but yeah, who yeah. remembers all that you know <laughs> It's a long time Adam's ago. married? What? Uh, anyway, no, no, no. I'll, I'll just say this. The longest range new tech can continue for a minute. Uh, I used to I used to be super tall for India uh-huh. uh, because, you know, people are a little bit shorter there. And then I came here and it's more, my height is a little bit more average and normal. Yeah. But mm. still, uh, my ego demands that I call myself tall. So Hey, no, six feet tall. My husband's only 5'8", so, you know, it's all good. I can I, if you're ever feeling sh- uh, short or average in the United States, I recommend going to Mexico. Uh, my dad and I when we went there, we were the tallest people in the entire country. So it's a great uh, boost to your ego for that. I I once met a young lady who was six feet tall in the twelfth grade. So I was just doing an admissions counselor for college. Mm. She was she she had grown up entirely in Japan. So she was telling me about how it felt to be a six foot blonde lady in Japan. And like people would like get scared when she came around corners because they were like this giant who doesn't look like anybody we know. And it was there was a lot like this was one of my favorite interactions of all time just because of how much cultural like interesting cultural things she could share. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'll I'll never forget this one piece. Like there was this old lady who like she came around the corner and this old lady like said like in Japanese like, oh, no, a ghost. (laughs) And got scared. And like, I want to think that this old lady was like making a joke and was in on it, but I'm pretty sure she actually got scared seeing this like giant come around the corner. Uh, anyway. Uh. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let me, let me get to my Star Trek strange new take, which is that, I mean, what is there even to say that, that can encompass all of the wonderful things from both of these episodes other than to say like we are truly living in a golden age of star trek and strange new worlds is crushing it like i don't know what where they found the recipe for this show but they need to like preserve that the way coca-cola preserves its like (laughs) its secrets because it is gold jerry this is gold Hmm, I need to see. I I didn't have a good strange new take for life lined up other than I don't know what's wrong with my voice, but it's doing something weird. So sorry, listeners, that my voice is strange today. I don't know what's happened to it. It just feels kind of froggy. Um, uh, deuterium poisoning? Uh, it might be deuterium poisoning. Have I been hallucinating? Maybe, maybe what I experienced today didn't actually happen. 
Um, my strange new take for the episodes would be, I kind of feel bad for Lost in Translation because yeah. it's way overshadowed by th- those old scientists. So sorry, Lost in Translation. I am interested to talk about it, though, because so I am um, I listen to Mission Log and I'm, I have I am on the Mission Log Discord. <coughs> like I chat with people on there. So I'm always interested to hear what people's ideas are about the episodes and everything. And hardly there's hardly been any conversation, I feel like, on for Lost on, Lost in Translation. And there was tons of conversation for the other episodes. Mm. And then it was like, I was like, oh, maybe once we get through the weekend, though, people will, you know, be talking about it more. But no, because those old scientists dropped. No one's talking about Lost in Translation. They're only talking about those old scientists. So I'm never going to know what people really thought of those of Lost in Translation. Maybe we'll find out today or we'll just ignore it also. Yeah, we'll just skip it. Okay. Uh, yeah, for, for my strange new take, I, I've just been, so we, we take a screenshot of what, uh, is the kind of the title card in every, uh, 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 memory alpha, uh, page for each episode and we put it into our notes and the one for, uh, for lost in translation just kind of looks like it is a screenshot from like a, a Star Trek RPG where we're playing as Uhura. And I'm kind of into it. Uh, I, I I could I could play a game like that. So uh, maybe we need to make that happen. Uh, but for the for the episodes, uh, let's see. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's hard hard to have a take. Uh, I'll, I'll try to take my take from the from the Lost in Translation so that we give it a little bit more airtime. So I I thought it was. Uh, it was an interesting way for us to um, get some of that. Uh, we, we've had storylines like that before where like only one person can hear something or maybe there's like interdimensional alien type type things. Uh, it, it's it's interesting how we can have an episode that treads a lot of ground that we've kind of covered in Star Trek before, but actually like felt really interesting and I was compelled the entire time. Uh, and it, so I, I, I'm just I'm always impressed when they're able to take an episode that like maybe because they've already done parts of it before that we just kind of get bored or whatnot. But uh, I was, uh, I was following along and having a good time watching that episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. All right. Let's, let's jump into talking about lost in translation since you opened the door for us, Adam. Here's the episode summary from memory alpha. Uhura seems to be the only one who can hear a strange sound. When the noise triggers terrifying hallucinations, she enlists an unlikely assistant to help her track down the source. All right. I'm going to say this week that we should stick to high-level themes, because especially with the next episode, we could get caught up in talking about every each little reference, and it'll, it'll, it is a path to a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. And as much <laughs> as I want to talk about these two episodes for two-and-a-half hours, my life doesn't allow it. Uh, so, so we should, we should, we should try to stick to the high level themes. And let me start by saying, I am glad that we finally, finally, and this is, this is kind of insane considering that we've had so many episodes so far, but we have an episode that in detail of Star Trek deals with grief and death and in a philosophical way and not some like, Oh, I miss Lindsay Ballard. You know, like this mm. one person. Mm. Like this is about grief, this episode, and how we process it. 
and it's done in a way that's emotional and yet doesn't feel like it's a guy sitting on a couch talking to a therapist the whole episode. Yeah, and I th I think something else that's interesting is like um while obviously the like the mechanic that was happening in this episode was that she was getting hallucinations because the aliens were talking to like the language center of her brain or something like that. But uh while sh while Uhura was experiencing this and talking about it to other people, she was referencing that this isn't the first time that she's se sort of experienced seeing someone who died like after uh uh, after something happening and, and and was able to sort of like bring back up that that uh, bit about her sort of origin story that we learned in Strange New Worlds where her entire family died in a shuttle accident. Uh, and I thought it was interesting to sort of um, equate that feeling of like when you close your eyes, you can still see them or like you're sort of reliving moments as being like that kind of hallucination, because I, I think it helps to... Um, uh, maybe contextualize it a little bit for the audience, because I, I think obviously like uh, uh in tv in tv they're limited in terms of how how they can portray things like they can only portray it by literally making it look like someone who is dead is like standing in the hallway or or whatnot we can't it's it's hard to portray that idea of like she's reminded of something or uh or things like that and so i, I thought it was interesting to have that kind of very tactile and realistic portrayal of hallucinations that she was experiencing with Hammer, but then having her still connect that to uh, her parents' death. And um, yeah, I, I just, I, I felt it was, a, it was a really interesting way to deal with that um, thematically. Yeah, I think we got both the the more evocative version of mm -hmm. grief of like thinking about her parents, but we also got the more tactical, like we saw it happen on the last season version mm -hmm. as well. So we could connect it to both. Now, I can't remember another time on Star Trek that we've actually dealt with a character's feelings like this. You know, I mean, it's, TOS is legendary for like people dying every half second and nobody <laughs> blinks mm -hmm. uh, at the deaths like... They knew or what they like signed the up for. Yeah, the, the cage was like the one experience where we we did see someone dealing with that, but that was cut and not actually in the uh, the original series from how people watched it back mm -hmm. then. Right. So, I think I think for me the power of this episode really is in kind of those moments between Kirk and Uhura, where Uhura, where Kirk is like telling Uhura to like, this is this is your fight. Like this is the fight that you have to have. We, you can't ignore it. You can't, you can't not have that fight. You need to come out on top. You need to, you can't forget these people and stuff away their memories mm -hmm. in a place that you don't access because you fear it. You must remember them. You must feel the joy and the, the, you must keep their memory alive and, and revel in, in what they gave you as, as human beings. Yeah. And, and, and actually that, that kind of reminds me, and I'm, I'm wondering if this is part of, because like Paul Wesley had, had access to like this script obviously and was able to uh maybe think of um how he talked about his time on strange new worlds in this kind of cohesive light but he, he's mentioned several times about how like when we've seen kirk in previous episodes it hasn't been like the original series kirk like we've seen before because he hasn't had a lot of those experiences and so he, he hasn't come across as like the um sort of like brash overconfident uh uh officer that we see 
in the original series. Well, and it also hasn't been prime time, prime timeline Kirk either. Yeah, in any yeah, of the that, that, and that, that's what I mean. But like, the, uh, so I, I thought it was really interesting hearing that take from him because it, it feels like that's that's almost like he's been um, he internalized the, those those lines that his character had to say in this episode, uh, and uh, I. At least for for me, I mean, maybe not that it, maybe it's inappropriate for me to like take it apart from like the, uh, us talking about like the grief and needing to deal with this to like Paul Wesley's performance as Kirk. But it, no, no, it, it th- felt like you could actually feel that uh, in this episode in a way that I have not. I've I've been with people where feeling like I don't necessarily see Kirk, but it feels like a re envisioning of Kirk. Uh, but in this episode, like he has a lot of the uh, sort of like mannerisms of like. The, w- the way that he holds himself there or like how he how he talks about things uh that i don't know it, it felt pretty spot on to me in this episode that i in a way that i wasn't expecting i think and, and also they they managed to give kirk quite a bit of family complexity in this episode too yeah it, as opposed to just like oh it's me on the ground uh with, with a mustache, a mustache. uh <laughs> <laughs> as the only th- the only thing that we knew about him before the uh kelvin timeline series so i yeah i i appreciated getting to have a bit of um yeah that, that sibling rivalry also the confirmation of like the kind of person that george kirk was in the prime timeline uh uh like why kirk uh, why james kirk would like have this drive to become the youngest uh uh like uh, first first officer in in uh starfleet history but also like captain eventually and stuff like that uh because yeah it, i i think this was a um a great great way to bring it out i mean to me this is also kind of it, it goes to those some of those fundamental questions that many of us ask ourselves in our professional careers am i in this for ambition am i in this because i'm driven by some value am i in this for the money am i in this for you know like mm-hmm. we all have different things and this joe uh sam kirk and uh james kirk conversation which by the way they also explain why sam is not called george oh yeah <laughs> They, they they they're tying off a bunch of loops uh or, or open threads um i think i think it gets to that idea of like which what do we choose to dedicate our lives to and how do our parents react to that like do they understand do they not so so i enjoyed that aspect of it personally um it uh it sometimes felt like the whole sam kirk being mad was not quite i didn't quite understand sam kirk's motivation like i feel like sometimes i was just a little bit like why are you so angry like i didn't they didn't bring me along for the ride with the writing on that but mm. i'm willing to forgive that i don't think it's a it's a huge problem or anything like that i i feel like they might they're probably just leaning a little heavy on the conceit of like i don't know you've you've seen people that are like close in age type siblings and like there's usually some sort of beef that happens at uh, different parts of their their life so Maybe we can assume that that's going on with them right now, but, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that's that's kind of fair. Uh, it was it was at least funny to see. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Sam kind of like it. It felt like we were bringing them closer, <laughs> and then just uh, still went to shit at the end. <laughs> yeah. So let me touch on one thing, which is the Kirks are apparently both known for womanizing. Because Uhura, Uhura sits down, mm-hmm. 
she basically makes a she, she says like i don't need a friend right now and then he says like oh i'm i'm sam's brother and she's like oh and it's like or, or she says something or he says something like oh you've met i see you've met sam or something like that i and took so, that as that sam talks about his brother womanizing people yeah all that's the time. Where I, took I don't it too. i don't think that was i <clears throat> and i i feel like that that might also set up a little bit of the tension uh between the two brothers because uh if uh yes i i feel like sam uh does not really like james in a lot of ways uh mm. and so yeah i i feel like that was him telling stories uh that set her that set her up uh to have that kind of expectation of him got it got it okay yeah that well either way James Kirk is known as a bit of a womanizer, apparently, um, which it looks like they're keeping that consistent from the uh, from the original series. We're not going to lose that element of his character. And well, I mean, he's already been kind of like, you know, not in cahoots, but with two of the female characters from Strange New Worlds. I mean, he's had, you know, anyway. Cat boots, yeah. <clears throat> with cat boots with them <laughs> cat boots <laughs> yeah i uh let's see uh now i'm now i'm sad because i made a reference to uh prodigy, prodigy. I know. but uh i i think it what what is interesting though is like uh so we can set him up as like someone who uh, like a bit of a ladies man or whatever but uh <clears throat> i appreciate that like we're doing this in 2023 so like it's it's not he doesn't like keep pursuing her. It's, it's right. like, it's genuinely a friendship that he's, he's going for and like concerned for her throughout the rest of the episode. It does not feel like he's doing it to get to some end that he has yeah. in mind. And and I think similarly, like in the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, uh, even though that is like not the same timeline, Kirk, it was, uh, it's sort of like, maybe he finds himself in these situations and it's not necessarily that he's sort of like actively doing the pursuit the whole time himself. I was um, going to say, I have friends, both male and female who are just, they exude this aura of like, I just want to get to know you. And they uh, are people that in like others genuinely just seem to fall for and they find themselves in situations where romance becomes just something that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam, you and I have a very close mutual friend who's like that. Uh, I have a close female friend who's like that. And it's just, it, it comes from a natural drive towards being vulnerable and wanting to get to know the other person. Mm -hmm. And we as human beings, when confronted with someone like that, we're like, yeah, I want to be with you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's, I feel like that's the thing with Kirk where he's not kind of like playing some sort of like flirty game. He's just the kind of guy where if someone sits next to him in a bar, he's going to start chatting them up. And he's charismatic. Yep. Exactly. He knows how to work a room and yeah. Yeah. And, and whereas someone like maybe Pike would pump the brakes a bit and be like, I have a girlfriend, Kirk might be like, Okay, let's see what happens here, you know? Um I don't know. It's it's interesting. Uh but I'm I'm glad that they're not shying away from that side of the character and trying to like sanitize it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I I, I it it does um I don't know. I, I I felt like they were going in a direction that was sort of complete re envisioning. So I'm I'm impressed that, that it's instead uh I, I don't know. I, I'm surprised by like how much they're retaining and, and how well it feels like it's fitting into the storyline. Yeah. All right. 
Go ahead, Emily. Well, no, I was going to say, like, so I've appreciated um, that they've given the actors a, kind of a lot to chew on and a lot to, um, they've just given them a lot to do, I feel like, mm-hmm. in these episodes. Um, there's been a lot of emotion and really kind of digging down into character development, and that's been cool. Um, something like, so I, this episode was the first time where I was like, <sighs> do we have to keep going to the Kirkwell? Like, so I, it Mm. didn't bother me in the alternate timeline episodes. Like some people were like, it didn't need to be Kirk. It could have been anybody. Mm. I actually found it helpful that it was Kirk in those previous two episodes um, with the alternate timeline. So what the balance Mm. of terror one, I can't remember. Mm. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And then the tomorrow's tomorrow and tomorrow or tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Um, Because there were, those the the presence of Kirk was able to serve as a um a signal of how things were not right, you know, because yeah. we know how it's supposed to be, and we know um of how things are supposed to come about, or we know a lot about Kirk's history, so when things get brought up in the dialogue or in the plot, we're like, oh wait, that's not right, and so those that's I felt like it was useful to have Kirk there. But this episode, I didn't really feel like it was necessarily useful to have Kirk there. It didn't need to be Kirk that did that. And I know they want to have the moment mm-hmm. where, you know, the shaking hands with Spock and then Uhura and Kirk and Spock sitting at the table together. But I didn't need that. And I kind of felt like yeah, like it was feeling a little too fan servicey to me. This this episode was um, because um, we have an entire show about James T. Kirk, like you know what 78 episodes of James mm-hmm. T Kirk. So we don't why why do we keep doing that? Like let's we want to watch this show where it's Captain Pike. Like he's the he's the one that we're um finding out about and I am all for like and Spock you know I'm fine with Spock being on the show. Um but I'm actually more interested in the female characters that are on the show that are from the original series because they don't know how to write for women in the 60s. Yeah. And so there just wasn't good character development for the women who were a uh, steady presence on the show. So I'm loving that aspect. But I don't think we need to keep going to dig into the well of the most famous male character of Star Trek, you know, like, yeah. anyway, so no, just I, throwing I think that that's, out there. I think is, that's entirely fair. Like, it, and if even if we think of, like, the kind of the role that he was playing in this episode. I don't know that it was, I feel like you could have had Erica Ortegas be the one sort of being supportive of, of uh, Uhura treating her like it was a real thing that she was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like the episode, you, we would have come away with a lot of the same feelings uh, of the episode. I guess we wouldn't be talking about Kirk, but right. like, <laughs> th- 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 I don't, I don't think there would have been like something missing in the mm-hmm. way that, uh, that it might've been in tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Right. Uh, you know how like how they give me advanced scripts of Strange New Worlds a whole bunch of times? I, well, I oh, have yeah, one. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it turns out, you guys are not going to believe this, but like Kirk is actually siblings with Michael Burnham as well. So <laughs> that's coming up two episodes from now. So, uh, no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I The only thing I'll say is that I do like a little bit of Strange New Worlds showing how the team came together for TOS because mm-hmm. that we didn't get that at all in TOS. So like mm-hmm. a little bit of this like superhero team coming together is good. I do agree with you that the it, it just is so weighty though every time Kirk shows up. So to take Uhura for like this really meaningful ride for her, but then basically like tip the scales so hard where everyone's like, 
is Paul Wesley James Kirk? I'm going to hyperanalyze mm. this rather than paying attention to Grammy-winning, Tony Award-winning Broadway actress Celia Rose Gooding. Right. Is kind of like, uh, you know, yeah, different choices could have been made. What I will say is, so... Number one, I'm really glad that they gave her this episode because one of the complaints has been, where's Uhura? Right. They also gave her a meaty part in Those Old Scientists. And I bet you that when we go to the musical episode again, your your musical award-winning actress is probably going to get some stuff to do, I hope, in that. Right. Same with Christina Chong, who's, who writes, who sings music on, on YouTube. So I will be sorely oh, really? disappointed if this problem occurs again in a couple of episodes time. So maybe maybe that's a way to like tip the scales, the, the weight of the scales a little bit. We've seen Una get a little bit more weight this season as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's definitely lots of playing off of Pelia in, in uh, the refinery and stuff like that, that I appreciated. Yeah. So, uh, but I agree that like, and, and Pike isn't quite a, like a lightweight either, right? Like when Pike's on the screen, he kind of steals the show. Anson Mount does that very effectively. So he just needs to sit like on a rock and he could do it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my God. He I mean, we'll say some stuff about Anson Mount when we talk about those old scientists. But anyway, um, I thought that the callback to Hammer was very good in this episode. Like, I, mm-hmm. I thought that those scenes with Hammer, sometimes mm-hmm. when they when they have like they bring back the dead character, it can be very cheesy. Mm-hmm. And here I thought it served a really good purpose i think it makes me miss hammer a lot and wish that they hadn't yeah. killed him off one it was i also appreciated that we had a scene that we hadn't seen between yes. hammer and um uhura you know through the her watching the training that he gave her i was like oh that's kind of cool that they wrote a scene for him not just zombie hammer but yes. like like actual Hammer having a conversation and training Uhura on how to fix this herself. And so I liked that. Yeah. yeah same, same here. And I, I, I've kind of, I've wanted Star Trek to do this for a while where that we have this, like, like, I, I mean, partly because we, there's usually never consequences uh, in, in Star Trek. Like even, even when we kill off a main character, it's that we just aren't paying that actor anymore. And therefore we can't have them ever show up again. Uh, but I, I've, I've been intrigued by instances where it feels like maybe we are going to see that character kind of over and over again. Cause I've seen that happen in other shows where like, yeah, the, the character is technically dead, but they're like that character, that actor will show up in several episodes in the future to sort of show how everyone is sort of processing that death and like sort of moving on from that relationship. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I honestly, I would love to see more of that. uh, If we kind of get to see more and more Hammer throughout the series where characters are sort of talking about him and it's sort of experiencing like little memories of like something that meaningful that that happened even or even just like kind of a uh a dumb tutorial video uh which is essentially what we were seeing but we still got to see like a a bit of like his personality shine through in that uh and it was it it allowed us to have some like cute moments uh in the episode still and try to make up for the fact that they killed off the like first main character ever cast who has a disability (laughs) Like, yeah. that's another thing. It's kind of like when they killed Culver in um, Discovery. You're like, what? Like, yeah. really? You well, killed and, off one of the first main yeah. gay characters in the show? And, <laughs> like, and then just did, doing? like, the, the whoopsie and, <laughs> and I did oh, it. Oh, and, we're yeah, going to do it. So yeah. that's kind of how they're doing this with Hemmer. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I liked Hemmer. So I like seeing Hemmer. 
Yeah. If that was good. I think but the only... Yeah, go ahead. Emily. Oh, this is just... I'm just going to say when you're talking about uh, characters who have died that you see come back in other shows um, or later episodes of the show that they were in, mm-hmm. uh, that I just had to mention, did anyone notice the smoke monster? Um, I felt like there was a smoke monster appearance in this episode. <laughs> I did see smoke, but I haven't watched Lost, so I can't... Oh, uh, okay. I, I was I, like, is the smoke monster? And also just some of the... The sounds were more t- uh, Transformers. But oh, yes. Still, I, can see, but, I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it yeah was, totally, I was like, totally. I feel like there's some smoke monster vibes going on here. So, <laughs> so uh, the, the only thing I think left to discuss with Lost in Translation, two things. Number one, which we can dispense with quickly. Captain Pike seems really okay with blowing up the station really quick, which, like, fine, he's just that cool of a dude. Like, uh, <laughs> but I think I think the point here is also that this deals with some inconsistency from TOS where Kirk says, yes, I met him when he was promoted to fleet captain, and now we... We have tied a little bow on that. Done. That's why Anson Mount, well, That's why Pike got promoted to fleet captain in this episode, just so they could be they could dispense with that bit of continuity. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. The menagerie. Kirk has that line in TOS that he met him for the first time when that <laughs> happened. Yeah, the, they did spend a whole lot of time talking about how like this is temporary. I am fleet captain. Please remember this memory, Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the so the other thing to discuss maybe in a bit more detail is the Pelia, Unish, and Riley scenes, which I wasn't expecting that to go back into the grief with Hammer bit. Um, mm-hmm. But but the two of them did have a bunch of scenes together. And for, for you know, I mean, having not seen Pelia now for several episodes, for her to come back and kind of get a good chunk of the action, I thought was a good thing. Did y'all, what was your takeaway from those, the, the moments between those two? I didn't expect it to go into the animosity, no, not animosity, but the friction between them was because she missed Hemmer. I don't know. I just yeah. didn't. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I felt like Uhura and Hemmer had had a friendship like that. I knew that. Like that yes. was pretty clear in season one. But I. I don't know. And maybe they did show. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember it myself. Una and Hemmer having a friendship, but I just don't remember. So. That kind of, I don't know, I thought that seemed kind of like, I just wasn't expecting that to be why there was some sort of friction between them. Yeah, it's basically that they haven't brought us along for the ride for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like with the Hooter, at least we, we had the episodes last season. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I it's... guess, I mean, everyone... Obviously, they all knew Hammer, right? Obviously, yeah, yeah. They're not gonna. They don't have time to show us all of the nuances of all of their relationships, right? Right. But it just seemed like for it to be such a, um, and and why was, why was Una dealing with the grief of Hammer at the same in the same episode that Uhura was dealing with the grief from him? I don't know. I just yeah, it just yeah, felt. It, it, I don't know that part of it. Yeah, it it almost <laughs> felt like a, a. I don't. I don't know exactly how how like. Um, residuals contracts work or whatever but it's, it's like oh we're we're already at we're pay, we're gonna pay that actor because he's gonna show up in this episode and also we're we're gonna take care of any worries about having to pay him for a different episode because we mentioned his name uh by mentioning him in the same episode so it's nice and tidy or something <laughs> like that I, I don't know that, that if that's like a real Let's thing get but our it, money's it just, worth yeah it, it, it was like actor. it felt like it was either that or just like a i mean i can understand some level of like uh 
you like it's useful to it's it's more meaningful to like reference characters that the char- that the audience like remembers and actually like has a relationship than it is to just like make up some third person that they both had some animosity about but right. uh it did feel like it's it's just weird having that come up in this episode when I don't think we really mentioned Hemmer for the past five episodes uh no but yeah so well um any any other final points to deal with lost in translation by the way because we're going pretty yeah. long on this section so we should go I to have, readings the, the, i have two the oh go ahead. the the moment that i saw that refinery uh and that it looked like a sona ship i'm like we're gonna blow that shit up <laughs> <laughs> um i did make note of the fact that spock said collector and um sector so i thought that was <laughs> that stood out to me um in the episode but also i i'm just curious did you all not have a problem with them asking slash allowing uhura to be the one who goes through the corridors with a phaser when she's hallucinating and we watch a character who goes to try to blow up a section of the ship who was having the same experience and stuff like, like in no way, shape or form was she fit to be the one who's going yeah, out to I, take I was... care of the problem. And I just found that really troubling. Um, I don't know why they gave her a phaser. I'm like, that's stupid. Like, I don't mean Uhura just in her normal, her everyday mind, but like with what she was suffering right then, she should have stayed in sick bay. And um, so I found that a little strange and that Uhura was the only one that recognized that. Like, finally, she's like, wait a minute. I, I think I need to go back to sick bay. Like, I am not right. Like, this is not good. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the uh, putting like trust in your colleagues and whatnot. But it's taken <laughs> a little too far. This, yeah. Kirk, Kirk made some bad calls in this episode. <laughs> See, now the trust in the colleagues, it was more warranted when they got to the point where she goes on the bridge and says, Captain, we have to mm-hmm. destroy the collector because we are hurting this alien life form. That is a that is a time when you place trust in your colleague because you recognize that she has a lot of skill with uh, languages and translating and all of this stuff. So so that is great, but not the way Kirk was. Yeah, <laughs> that was like, a little. Oh, much. you're having violent hallucinations. Here's a loaded gun. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. The uh, so someone on the Star Trek subreddit made the point that we have seen Kirk show similar judgment at other points in TOS. So yes. <laughs> Very, very not great, but it is consistent with the character, <laughs> if that makes sense. So uh, at least at least the continuity Amazing. people can be happy with this one. There we go. Uh, yeah, one other thing I forgot. So the, the Collector is actually located in the Bannon Nebula, which is named yes. after Melissa Navia's uh, partner, uh, who, passed partner who passed away. Yes. And so so that's just a meaningful thing for the team. Yeah, to have done I thought that was great. All right, let us give Lost in Translation a strange new rating. Who wants to go first and stick their necks out with this one? Uh, I th- I think I'll go. I think this one gets an eight for me. Uh, it was a solid episode. Uh, I th- I thought that there were like a couple of uh weird moments, like we said with with Pelly and uh and uh Una and Shin Riley, but like the um. I, I thought that I, I was impressed with a lot of uh, aspects of the storytelling and like retreading things without me feeling bored or anything like that. So uh, it was a it was a fun story to follow along with. Cool. I would agree. I would agree. Eight on ten for me. 
Yeah, I was trying to decide. So it was funny because as soon as we finished the episode, Travis is like, I don't like that one so much. So then I was like, oh, is that going to ruin my experience of the episode? Like, But I couldn't remember what I was feeling about the episode, except I did not like that she was going through the corridor with a phaser. But um, and and some of the I, I didn't the part at the end with Una and Pelia felt weird. So I'm maybe I'm going to. Ah, Four-ish, 3.75. There you Do go, 3.75. Yeah. So not quite an eight, because I don't think mm-hmm. I... I really liked the stuff. I liked the emotional parts with Uhura, but some of the mm-hmm. other stuff I was just like, eh, it didn't, it didn't need that. Like this show, this episode could have been really good without some of those other aspects, so. Yeah, makes sense to me. Now, now we need to resist saying the... <laughs> I'm sure it is Siri. Uh, yeah. Now we need to resist going into the end credits uh, <laughs> as we transition to talk about the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, now we. So so first of all, Emily, I hope we made up for the fact that Lost in Translation doesn't get talked about enough um, and gets overshadowed. We started with it rather than starting with those old scientists, but here we go now. <laughs> we do have to talk about those old scientists. Which here's the here's the episode summer from memory alpha an accident while investing in a time portal sends Ensign's Boimler and Beckett Mariner through time from the 24th century and Captain Pike and his crew must get them back where they belong before they can alter the timeline. Don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was okay, I guess. Right. Maybe we should just rate this episode first and get it over with. Because uh, I, 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 10 out of 10. I'm just oh, going to yeah, say no, it fully. right now. It was, it was, no, it was for me too. Although I have to say five out of five to be consistent with my oh, fair enough. rating. But no, I agree. I thought this was a fantastic episode. Like, Adam, are you going to disagree? No, <laughs> are you going to disagree? I, 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 th- I think I, w- I think I will disagree. I'm going to, I'm going to say it was a nine, but it, 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 it should, it, should pro- it probably deserves the 10. It, it, it's just like, I think that there were some parts where the, the meshing of the series did not 100% work for me, but I was delighted, especially like the first, like th- those first maybe 20, 25 minutes of just like, oh my God, that did that thing too, uh, was amazing to be in. And so maybe that would be worth a 10. It's just like, as the episode kept on going on, it was just like... That part but it kept thing. getting more touching as it went on. It was like, yeah, it was going yeah. and it was fun. And then it hits the moment in uh, Pike's quarters where I was like, oh, oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is good stuff. Like, I had no idea they were going to hit that home. And that, I mean, that deeply. Yeah. In that, and, they, they, you know. and even have like a few visual jokes of uh, of Mariner talking about like, oh, you know about the and she like, uh motions her hands right. as if it's in a the the, the like pyramid chair <laughs> yes. uh, oh my gosh i know we just we skipped to the end but well, the, the, I, it's what, after this i don't know if i can keep going i just need to stop <laughs> here i ruined he's like i cannot I, be on a podcast with you anymore i, I mean the hottest of hot takes uh <laughs> i mean my my feeling like while i was watching it and they like the moment they i saw that the title sequence was animated i mean i know that it's it's cgi animated or whatever but like that they that they had put it in the lower deck style yeah i like immediately pressed pause and just like uh laughed out loud and then shouted to my wife that they did that and she's like that's nice 
<laughs> yeah, I, that's like what I, I figured was texting to be animated. you guys as like, well. Quite... I was like, you have to watch this. That's right. when I started texting you all. And and not only did they animate it, but they added a few extras like that. that the bug, bug the yeah, that sucks the nacelle is now sucking the Enterprise in the yes. cell. They have the koala, the great yes. koala yes. at the end. Yes, the koala was amazing. And, oh and so it was, it was very irreverent. And... So and they talk start. so much quieter and slower on this ship. <laughs> yep, and their reference and and the yeah. Enterprise people notice that the lower next people make some very strangely specific references, <laughs> so which is fun. great. So um, let's let's start with this. Jack Quaid, did I yeah. get that right? Jack yeah. Quaid. Who, who I just realized is Meg Ryan's son. I, yeah. I had not realized this until last week. I had, had the biggest crush on my life on Meg Ryan when I was a teenager. Uh, so she, he has been Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid's son. Jack Quaid and Tony Newsom. What did we think of their live action Boimler and Mariner? Did we see Boimler and Mariner in their performance? Yes, I, 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 I saw it uh, for, I mean, you could, especially Jack Quaid, you could definitely tell that he like spent time trying to make it happen. Like the, the, he had the little uh, uh, the section 31 the, walk. Yeah, the section 31 walk that he was doing. Uh, there was lots of, um, I mean, obviously, like the voice is spot on or, or whatnot. But yeah, it, it felt like uh, I was I was definitely feeling him embody him pretty well. And I, I also appreciated the. Uh, the weird moments or the, the funny moments of like uh, the one, the one that I remember the most is like uh, Mariner is sitting down in the, uh, in the ready room and she just like pulls her hands across the desk in this way that just like makes it, it just makes this weird squeaky noise that you just like, no one does that on the enterprise. Like you don't ever think about <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> like the, I guess the closest they came to like the awkward materials of, of things were um, a couple episodes ago where uh we saw uh, Sam Kirk was uh, putting having crumbs around his plate. Uh, that was like the most disrespect that we've seen for the um, sort of the uh, the set or whatnot. So I, I appreciated her doing that. It felt very Mariner. Although, can I just say, like, what is that person's problem that they would not use the plate to push the crumbs onto? I was very bothered by that. Like, oh, you don't Kirk. just wop, you just don't wipe crumbs straight onto the floor. Are you kidding me? Unless you have a dog down that, at that the That did feel the- very, uh, I, I did, uh, I think that is the, the worst uh, performance that, uh, that Ethan Peck has done uh, in in all of his uh, his career of of portraying Spock is I do not think Spock would have tossed him onto the ground. I think he he would have carefully used like a napkin to to wipe exactly. them onto the plate, like and then yeah, yes, yes. Anyway, I can know I, that's two episodes ago. Sorry. Can I can I be thirsty for a minute? Yeah. Can I beg permission? So you let may. me just put it this way: Tony Newsom is. Incredible at Beckett Mariner, but I think when they drew Beckett Mariner, they made her like just a lot less attractive than than Tony Newsom. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave that there because I was definitely like, whoa, I have not felt some of these feelings uh, <laughs> watching the animated show. And uh, hello, <laughs> much like, like hello, much Tony. like Tony, much like yeah, Megan Mariner like, was like, listen, I gotta be real right now. I was not expecting Spock to be this hot. Yeah, <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> Although, can I just? I don't know if anyone else sees this. 
I cannot help but look at Jack Quaid and feel like he is the long lost brother of Joshua Jackson. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they I look so much alike, except for the fact that Jack Quaid is just very, very thin. Like, yeah, he's yeah, definitely yeah. got the Boimler build, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh, which is so funny. I remember an interview one time with Jack Quaid where he was watching the first couple episodes of Lower Decks with his girlfriend. And they have, they have that scene where Boimler's just in his underwear sitting up in a tree and whatever. And her his girlfriend's like, oh, you guys have the same body. And he's like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but oh my gosh i loved the purple hair i thought the purple hair was great um i feel like that they're very similar to their characters i feel like the uniforms didn't quite do it for me though i feel like they're 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 separate do they do they look like they're separate on the animation i didn't feel like it was like the shirt and the pants were separate they looked super sharp you guys like i'm just gonna like say like i thought they were fucking gorgeous no they look good but i didn't feel like they're separate in the in the animation i I feel like it's all a onesie we've seen them take off their jacket before oh maybe we have yeah yeah. mariner often does the sort of like first contact type look of like having uh just like a a vest kind of thing Um, all right oh i did like do you like the deltas on the bottom of boimler's shoes yes yes Uh, i love that they that they 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 kept that bit Yeah. yeah Uh, also, just minor note, but Una and Pike being like, and turns out the Delta is also the communicator. What? They don't flip it? That's the best part. Right. And the, the really the funniest thing is like cell phones today, they are going back to the flip phone. Right. And and people are like, whoa, this feels really good. Click, clack, click, clack. And it's like, yep. it's the same thing. It's so freaking cool meta stuff. I love it. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. So I think, I think the thing that I maybe enjoyed as much as seeing Beckett Mariner and Boimler in real life, I was really hoping we'd get like a cameo by Rutherford and Tendi at the end, but I can yeah. see why, you know, they wanted to make the, they would have to make because the Because they also makeup. look like their characters. They do. By the, and, like, mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> so, they, so they couldn't, like, I can see why the expense couldn't happen, but I just loved how the two of them made Pike into actual Space Dad instead of just having Space Dad vibes. Like, Pike becomes an actual grumpy dad through the entire episode. When he says to Boimler, you, stand right here. (laughs) (laughs) Away from any buttons or touch or break. (laughs) Oh, and it's... The, the meeting scene, you just see him in the background reacting to everything. Like, what is happening? Like, why is why is my life like this? Like, how Anson did it get Mount's to a, this? He's a great face actor. Like, and he did a lot of that in the um, the episode two weeks ago. Well, not two weeks ago, actually, but the Spock. Yeah, and, the, yeah, 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 he, yeah, that was mostly what he got to do was a lot of just face acting. <laughs> but he's so good at it. Yeah, no, for real. And so in this episode, I thought we really got to see a new side of him. Which is, we've always had Pike be like, yeah, the chill guy, or like, action, captain, like, in charge. Mm. Here we got to see him lose his patience, which is just great. Um, And and we also got to see a slightly different side of Una as well, especially at the end when she finds out why Boimler's reacting to her strangely. Yes. Oh, that whole thing was great. Well, see, I... I never thought it was because he knew something weird about her future. I always thought it was because she was hot. <laughs> like, and he's like, oh gosh, I, like she's, I've always thought she was just so beautiful. And so that's why I thought he reacted that way to her. And she's like, does he know something about my future? You know, but, um, 
so then when you find out it's because well and then the whole pinup misunderstanding when that was hilarious in fact it's like he has a poster of you on the wall or up in his bunk wait like a pinup poster in that it's pinned on the wall. Wait, are we talking about the same thing? You know, <laughs> and then I love it when Beckett realizes what she thinks and she wants to make sure like, like, please, no, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean that in some dirty, gross way. And then it becomes like this moment that made me tear up. Like, yeah, I, that, it was I, I love that they were able to that they were able to turn that around. Yes. Uh, yeah, from that. That's just something touching. And then and it's uh, such a good her, episode callback too. oh, my gosh. And then have Ransom ru- ruin it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but that which was is, great too that was great which is great out also. of universe too exactly uh, right like yeah. the out of universe explanation on that is chef's kiss like yes, jerry yes. O'Con. for those of you who don't know jerry O'Con, who plays ransom is rebecca roman's husband and so <laughs> yeah. like they are together in real life and so that's why it's funny and, and it's the yeah. best that you have the character of ransom who thinks he's the shit being the one who calls someone else the best looking first officer in Starfleet history rather there than himself yeah, yeah. because he's someone who would think he was the best exactly. looking, you know? So it's also like, wow, look, <laughs> no love for Saru. For sure. No love for Saru. I well, know. if we're, if we're allowing that one Nivaran president to vote, then, you know, uh, we get lots of love for Saru. So, uh, I mean, the plot in this episode is so secondary to like the hijinks that I don't yes. even know where to go with it. All I'll say is, the Orion element was also kind of unexpectedly like poignant. Yes. Of like, oh yeah. Being treated like a scientist is all I ever wanted. All I wanted though was to again see Noelle Wells play her own grandmother. Yes. Like, I thought that would have been. I'm sure yeah. they asked, and it was probably like the no way they could make it happen. But like that was, I think, a missed opportunity. Yeah, I thought I'd- so too. I mean, because Star Trek loves to do that kind of stuff of just like uh, Janeway's great, 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 great grandmother looks exactly like her. They all have. I mean, the gene pool is very strong when it gets passed down through the generations in Star Trek. True. um, Yeah. I did. I also when you said the um, the um, uh, plot being secondary, I also thought it was hilarious when they finally figure out it's an ancient Nausicaan dialect. And then the the next time you hear anything about it, Beckett just has a throw in a throwaway line of, "Oh yeah, all it said was this is a timeship or a time portal." Like it didn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. They figured out what the translation was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, uh, I, the other thing that I liked was uh, I don't know if you you noticed they they had try triticale yes instead of quadriticale. Yeah. I did notice that. Since See, this we're, is hilarious. We're, the, we're yeah, all just geeking out over before the Before Kirk, and therefore, before Kirk's Enterprise, and therefore we haven't invented quadratriticaly. Right, right. By yeah, the way, someone funny. took massive issue with Lost in Translation, the previous episode we talked about, because Paul Wesley said sabotage and not sabotage. Sabotage. <laughs> uh, and so that was literally unwatchable beyond that point. Um, <laughs> anyway, but in this episode, I think... Another little moment that I think was really poignant was the fact that the current Enterprise crew geeks out over the NX Enterprise crew. And specifically, the two people that they call out are the two people that got the least amount of meaty storylines in the Mm -hmm. TV show Enterprise, Mayweather and Sato. So kind of neat that they single them out for some call outs. And it really makes me wish that they do a reverse time travel where we do get to see these people visit the NX. I... I, I, th- I think if if we had gotten to see 
even like a a them like heisting some of the bulkhead of the nx01 or something like that that is what would have gotten me like the 11 out of 10 status or something yeah, for for yeah. me like it, it was like name dropping the original enterprise and then being like oh it's just this little tube that we have in the floor of engineering like it i felt worse for having like like it, it almost felt like worse because they referenced it that i and then didn't give me any sort of payoff but uh, even, even to the point of pointing out as as i uh as i shared with y'all on on slack uh in the ready room uh i, I don't know if it's every episode but at least in the um uh the um lost in translation you can see the nx01 enterprise and the phoenix uh i think they're both from the uh the opening sequence of enterprise but they're they're like on displays in the in the uh ready room but like that we didn't even get to see it i just i thought that since we had built the model for uh for picard season three that like at least there was a possibility that we might see the uh, the refit NX NX01, um, but alas. But I did think it was cool that um, I liked the idea of every ship having a piece it is a of cute the ship idea, that bore sure. its name before. Like I thought that was kind of a cool and also very lower decks to have. You know, obviously. Um, you know, Mariner having all her hijinks and everything, but then being the one who has the that little nugget of information that's yeah. actually going to be the most helpful in the midst of it all. So I thought that was great too. I, I just love Pelia's like, careful with my floor. I use that. And Spock being like, it would be illogical to assume you are the only one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, the stuff that they did, so, but this is the thing. They didn't just give the jokes to like the new people. They gave yeah, yeah. Like, the existing cast enough. And the only one I really felt bad for was Christine Chappell. Because I think Boimler yeah. really made her feel very bad about yes. like the influence she was she having cried. on Spock. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I that was the other thing. Is like, that just made me bummed. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be enjoying this episode. And now I'm just real sad yeah <laughs> i you know what guys i'm not gonna lie this whole tv show is making me wish that they could just rewrite all of tos's continuity like yeah i would be very happy if that happened and like spock and chapel got to stay together pike didn't end up in the little bleep bloop chair like i, I it's just it's you know this show is so happy now that like i can't the tragedy that's impending i just can't <laughs> i know it's it's yeah. it's too much, you guys. It, it, it's too much. It is interesting to to think about, like, uh, like for the their, I mean, I mean, one, like, I hope that they that they let this sh- they they take this show to kind of to where they want to go, and it's not just something that's like canceled after season three or something like that. Like, I I yeah. want them to be able to show us that entire arc because I'm part of me is curious, like, do do they actually want to show? Uh, Pike go through that, or do we want to just leave it as like end a the show? <laughs> yeah, it's a sad way to end the show, but it's like I, I could also see them just kind of wanting to do a um, like a all good things kind of uh, ending to the show of just like we 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 know that that bad like bad things can happen in the future, and like the but important now, thing is what we've got okay. right now. It, like I I I can see both being Which... compelling ways to end the series, but it's just I don't know. You know, that's exactly what Boimler, the point Boimler was making was, yeah. we know this sad thing's going to happen. So mm-hmm. enjoy the time that you have now. Spend the time. And I I mean, like the one he said that, you know, but think about the people that aren't going to get that chance to spend with you. You know, and I was like, yeah, oh, that, that, gosh, hit, yeah. that was, 
Oh, right in the it was fields, beautiful. For sure. yeah. But that's, but that's, I mean, that's the thing about lower decks, right? Like these guys aren't just idiots. They are like, mm-hmm. they're children for sure. In many ways, they're a little immature and they like, they're they're a little <laughs> real, right? Like not everybody in the United States military is General Milley, the head of the right. U.S. military. Mm-hmm. There are some people who have a little bit of fun and they're a little quirky, and that's what we're seeing with lower decks. And that's exactly mm-hmm. like the 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 difference between the two crews that we saw in this episode, but. There's still a reason that these two people are in Starfleet. There's a reason that Boimler is in Starfleet. It's because he can point out stuff like that. He's not a total moron. Right. And him getting to show that to Pike was... I mean, that 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 just hit me straight in the gut. Like, that was a mm-hmm. punch to my gut. And I think the only bad thing about it was that it kind of confirms that Boimler and Mariner don't know that Pike gets out of the chair. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about it. Because you, you had that theory of, like... Uh, they could just kind of go back and fix it later or something like that after we've like they can they can still have the old continuity and have the possibility of rescuing him afterwards but because yeah, we could like we it's, could it's kind of it we could see basically that like pike and like you could show like the end episode of star Trek: new worlds could be a tos crew teaming up with the elements of the strange new worlds crew that are not on tos to help mm-hmm. pike like basically yeah. it's it's an episode set in like season four of TOS or whatever. And and before the movies, and and you show them kind of teaming up to help their old CO. Mm-hmm. Um and so it could be a nice way to like kind of bring it all together. But I don't know. I saw I someone online <laughs> on Reddit suggested kind of like what if they just redo TOS and there was just a lot of like people will lose their minds if this show does that. Like I don't think this fan base can handle it. Um, I mean, you just see the reactions to the musical episode being previewed and you, you realize just how unhinged some people in this fan base are. Good Lord. I have, um, I, I, I have, I have no space I'm blissfully unaware of those takes. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, it's, it's on the, the channel that also shows us how unhinged some people online generally are. So yeah. just stay off that social network and you'll be fine. Um, but it's, I mean... But that's, that's the thing. I started with the Strange New Take of, like, we're in a golden age of Star Trek. And Strange New Worlds is really just so much better than everything else that I'm okay if they just rewrite everything else yeah. with this show. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Full, fully fully agree. And, and I guess, yeah, it's the it's the one... Although, it, honestly, like, I don't know that I would have it any other way in terms of, like, uh, there is something... I think it's really compelling to have this captain that, like, knows exactly what's going to happen to him. Uh, but still be able to have this kind of uplifting and positive show ar- around it. And I guess yeah. it, if if this was something where it was just fully in like the, the Voyager timeline or whatever, with, we don't really sort of have the expectations after it. Like, I, I think there is something magical about this being like a prequel to most of the other things that we've seen that is uh, part of the magic that makes this work. Yeah. <clears throat> the hope, the hope that they do something about it is what, is one of the things keeping me going. It's like yeah. that this do awesome person doesn't. I mean, you see like a lot of stuff like Melissa Navia's partner. Like awesome people have really bad things happen to them all the right. time. That reminds and, me. Yeah. I was. Um, I felt like they actually had a line in this episode that gave a little more depth to. Erica Ortega's character, you know, because that was one of the complaints about the what mm. people have 
are wondering if this was the Ortegas episode, uh, the one a few episodes back. Um, but when they made the comment about her being a war hero, which we kind of yeah. know, but, you know, just very definitively that was said. But what she says to Uhura um, when they're at the bar, like, look, when we were in war, we realized that we didn't get a lot of opportunities for downtime. And when you had that opportunity, you take it because you don't know yeah. when you're going to get it again. Oh, and man. I thought that was a really poignant thing that kind of said a lot about Ortega's. And mm-hmm. gave us more in that one line than we'd gotten all season, I think, as far well, as her backstory goes. I think also that's that's so applicable to those of us who work very long hours. Um, it is it is super like real. Like when you're mm-hmm. in a job that just takes everything, you really have to force yourself to like do the things that help you recharge. Uh-huh. And it just snowballs if you don't. So it's like it, it's also a very real thing besides being a a character moment so i i found that it helped me relate a little bit to the struggle mm. of being a starfleet officer it's not just all like sunshine and roses like you're in a utopia like wandering around the galaxy you know it's it, there is this real element of sacrifice that also mm-hmm. comes in um which has also been a theme of this season i feel mm-hmm. like we've seen the grief we've seen the overwork we've seen the like part relationships that it can destroy through either by pitting you against your girlfriend in a trial or like mm-hmm. having just being far away from each other and getting pulled away by work um yeah you know there's something else i've been thinking about and i don't and people may think i'm crazy for thinking this but um so like this really tragic awful thing happened in melissa navia's life in between the filming of Mm -hmm. season one and season two there's a part of me that wonders if they haven't done a big backstory on the character of erica ortegas in part because of that like they've been given lots of meaty grief-stricken kind of backstories to some of these other characters and we have the idea that ortegas has a backstory that probably has a lot of grief in it Mm -hmm. um because of being, I mean, being a war hero, you know, fighting in a war, obviously there's going to be loss and grief that comes with that. But like, you wouldn't give that storyline that Uhura was dealing with. I don't, I think that would not necessarily be kind to give a storyline like that mm-hmm. to someone who's just lost the love of their life. And anyway, I don't know. That's, and that could not, because I also see that this, the crew that's around um, that's working on Strange New Worlds obviously is recognizing the real life things that are happening in the actors' lives. They they re- yeah. I think they purposely wrote um, episodes that had that featured very little Pike for the first three episodes because Anson Mount had a kid and they mm. were honoring the fact that he wanted to be able to spend time with his wife and his child. And so I don't know. I've just there's part of me that's wondered if maybe that's why we're not getting a big meaty. Um, emotional kind of episode with, and maybe the, uh, maybe it'll prove me wrong. Maybe there will be one later. Um, but the the Ortega's episode didn't have that same gravitas that some of the other character episodes have had. Um, it was more, it was like a victory kind of like, yeah, yeah this is awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it was just a different kind of feel. Yeah, I I wonder what's coming up next for Ortega's in we've got more of her thankfully this season than last and we know for example that there's an there there's that shuttle sequence where she's like yeah talking about how she piloted in the Klingon it's coming up in the tra- it's in the trailer it's coming up so maybe we'll get more of her I hope we right. do soon mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean it's 
this show has tapped a lot of emotional veins, both mm-hmm. meta and in universe. Right. In a very poignant way. And even in a comedy episode, they found ways to do it. Um, yeah, I think they smashed this one out of the park, you guys. And I think this is an episode that this is legitimately an episode I could watch over and over and over. Oh, and yeah, over I and wanted over to watch again. it again today. <laughs> and, and there are a lot of little things that like looking at Twitter, looking at Reddit, there's a lot of like screenshots and references people have seen that you, that you don't see unless you're like watching it over and over again. Oh, awesome. there's a, yeah, there's, it, there's a lot packed in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think only other thing to talk about is the fact that we are getting a musical episode as the penultimate <laughs> episode of this season and the ninth out of ten episodes is going to be a musical episode and it looks like from the trailer basically it's some sort of subspace anomaly makes it so that it's the same way that they did it in Scrubs where basically a patient has a rare neurological condition that makes her think that everybody is singing in musicals Mm. Uh, and so that's we, we see the episode from her point of view and so all the doctors are singing it's a musical and it's brilliant there's a lot of people like I said who have reacted to this in the predictable well this is not Star Trek and and you know that's I, I wish I never become as joyless as to be someone who Same. expresses that opinion I'm not even that huge into musicals there are musicals I like but I'm not a huge like musical fan but I think for me, what this tells me is that this is a show that's willing to take risks. They swing big for entertainment. They're not kind of just doing something small mm-hmm. uh, that's like in a box labeled Star Trek that has like Rick Berman and Gene <laughs> Roddenberry's like handwritten notes about what Star Trek should and shouldn't be. They're trying to entertain I mean, he us. just want to have the camera on a woman's ass the whole time if it was Gene Roddenberry's way. Pretty Sorry, much. I don't know if you've ever heard that, about that's, his that's writing. That's what Rick Berman of- took into... Uh, took into the the franchise when he was I shouldn't say that about Gene Roddenberry I appreciate some things about him but he had pretty archaic notions of some archaic notions about women I don't know if you've heard about the his um the novelization of uh the motion picture but um oh, it's no. kind of gross <laughs> so, I mean but this is yeah. I think I think this like goes into the whole like you know scratching the surface of your heroes and you find out like I think yeah, it's interesting to me. This is kind of a little bit of a diversion, but you know, you have this even with like some like Roman emperors, if you want to be extreme, or there are other historical figures from India that like. I think it's this battle of do we tear down our heroes because, or do we take what's good as a source of right. inter- inspiration that mm. allows us to then channel the good coming out of our own actions? You know, right. and I. I don't have the answer to that, but I'll just bring it up because I think this is a this is a thing with Gene Roddenberry, right? Like he he gave us the universe that allows us to think about life on this planet differently, but also he wanted to put card pieces in the Ferengi and do all the things that you just talked about, Emily. So and like, it's just and that's just a sign of the patriarchy being damaging to men as well as women. Like it's you know it's like a it's hurt it hurts us all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so so. It's I, I don't have the answer there, but for, for sure, like with this show, we're just seeing them try and see mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't. And I'm OK with that. I don't want kind of just the steady hum of mediocrity, mm-hmm. but I want them to to take risks. And, um, and I really appreciate that. I think Discovery, for, to be fair to them, has also taken a lot of risks, which for me didn't work, but they took mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, so credit where credit is due there as well. Yeah, and also but, there have been plenty of episodes where there's been uh, uh, 
there's been kind of musical portions of of Star Trek episodes. They've all been terrible, but uh, but it's it, this is not without precedent <laughs> to have <laughs> our characters sing, singing for some reason. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Right on uh, about three weeks, we'll we'll get to watch the episode and see where where it goes. Is uh, it is it three? Uh, they have another episode ne- that comes out next week. That really? is not. Yeah, I just looked on IMDb. If IMDb is correct, as in on the on the twenty on so the twenty seventh, they have Under the Cloak of War as the eighth episode. Oh, and then Subspace Rhapsody is the ninth episode, and Hegemony is the or Hegemony. I never know how that word's supposed to be said. Is the tenth episode? Okay, on the, oh. August tenth. Sounds All like right. we're getting some intense stuff. Because yeah, I I thought Subspace I can, Rhapsody I might be the eighth being, episode. Yeah, but I can see Cloak of War being that. Erica Ortega's episode, yeah, uh, since maybe. you're ta- the, talking about the war hero type stuff, and like that's well, that might be referencing Klingon war stuff. So they basically are skipping a week, and uh, I wonder if this is the plan all along. But here we are. We'll come back. I guess we get to record next weekend again because there's a new episode of Strange New Worlds. Uh, any any final points on on this episode or anything else before we wrap up here? I'm I'm excited that I don't have to wait. Uh, I I I was a little bit sad also during w- watching the episode of like, dang, now I I need to go like ten days without watching Strange New Worlds, but I don't. <laughs> uh, I I would have I think I would have uh, yeah no it's all good. Um, Just watch this episode every day. Yeah, and you'll feel good. There you go. There you go. Did we all change right. your rating, Adam? Or are you still at a nine? No, no. Let's let's make fun of him for this for like a couple of years. It's okay. okay. <laughs> let's, let's let's leave this as something we can it's, use to take out. It's no school. Mugato Gamato for me. Yeah, okay, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I mean the pinnacle of all Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> I need to go watch that one again. All right. Well, Emily, Adam, thank you. This was I was very excited as you saw on our Slack channel to come and discuss these episodes, <laughs> and so I'm glad we did it. This has been one of the most fun couple of like maybe 12 hours of my life like watching this episode talking it with you guys i really enjoyed it thanks notch it was fun yeah thanks bill and rudy come back to the podcast so we can talk about this stuff (laughs) i know you guys are busy and it's not and it's me being unfair by calling you out here but still we miss you both and so we'll see you soon and uh thank you dear listener for making time for us in your week we hope you're enjoying strange new worlds as much as we are thank you just guha for recording our theme music uh, and well, I mean, special thanks this week just to everyone behind the show. I mean, like this genuine this week is like, it's amazing. I am so happy right now. Like, I, you know, again, I'll just say going from like Star Trek is dead. It's never coming back after Enterprise ended to this. It's been a wild yeah. journey. And so it feels really good. And I hope we never have to confront the idea of Star Trek completely going away ever again. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.